Hello, everybody, and welcome back to OP is OP, the podcast where we go through the One Piece manga front to back. I, as always, am the Rip and Tear Super Rookie Jacob, joined by my co-host, the Super Veteran and Invisible Stepping Man, Justin. Well, what's good, everyone? Thank you for tuning in, as today we are going to discuss the Fishman Island arc, which begins it's... at chapter 603 and ends at chapter 653, but we're not going to get through the whole arc today. No. We've definitely decided now. We may not even get through half. We will see. We're anticipating getting through about half, which is around chapter 628. That's so as long as you've read up to that point, for those of you that are reading along, you should be mostly good. Mm-hmm. But I'm, I'm actually going to say you should probably read this whole arc because I don't really remember what happens in what part. <laughs> yeah, and for the record, uh, I am the Serb rookie. I have finished this whole arc, but for the sake of this part, I'm going to try and reference everything what have, what I felt up to this point. Similar to when we did Alabasas and then we went back to uh, Water 7. Water 7, yeah. Yeah, when, what I felt up to that point. I'm not going to say spoilers for the future. Uh, and just reference what I've been feeling at this point. Because this first section, the first 20, 25 chapters of this arc have been a blast. They've been uh, really, really good. Not perfect, but really good so far. We talked about a little bit in our our unofficial pre-show As but I, like I, I think my favorite section or one of my favorite sections of this at least this first part of fishman island is just like the first like six chapters when the they're des- actually in the sunny sailing down the descent into the abyss right up my fucking alley where i'm yeah. just like we're gonna see cthulhu right we're gonna see cthulhu right that we're- that was the time <laughs> that would have been the time yeah like we're- it was just so fun you know like yeah. those few couple chapters going down that it really made me wish that we were in the middle or about to get like a 20,000 leagues under the sea style arc. Mm-hmm. A bit more mystery, a bit more like uh, tension and mystery going on of like what sea creatures are going to run into down here. And we do get a little of that. But the point being is yeah. that it, did, it was a little faster than what we both wanted. We we're actually on the same page for that. Uh, but before the descent starts, uh, we get a little bit of some teasing going on for future where uh, big, the big, guy- big tease, really. Yeah, so starting off small, Sentamaru, um, the guy who brought with him the, the, the Kuma bots that got one-shotted last arc, he reveals into the uh, Navy that, hey, the Straw Hats are back, they're alive, and they're stronger, so the Navy is aware. That means there'll, there'll be no surprises in the future. Um, the, Korobu, the Karibu brothers, um, they follow the Straw Hats, and we get a, a really big, uh, small but really big flashback where we see uh, Rayleigh thinking about how Luffy reminds him of... Uh, his younger days, and then we see fucking Roger with that same fucking straw what is, hat. Yeah, what is Roger wearing? The <laughs> straw wearing, hat. <laughs> yeah, he's wearing the same fucking straw hat, which I guess implies that Roger gave that straw hat. It implies to it's, that it's it's oh, come on, it's the same hat. Yeah, like, and then Shanks gave the height to Luffy. Yeah. I'm just saying it implies just in case it could be a fuck up in the future where it's like, oh, by the way, that original hat is the, is the hat. That hat is the actual one piece. And the one that Shanks gave the Luffy is the duplicate. It's the copycat. <laughs> I don't know what's going on in the future. It's one piece. I think it happened. But yeah, we got that little bit yeah. going on there. Heavily implied with Shanks being on his crew. He passed it on to Shanks, who then subsequently passed it to Luffy, right? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, And we also, while the descent's going on, too. That we get the confirmation exactly of what was Kuma's allegiance. Because I was, if you remember last episode, even though it was really short, I was a little unsure, unclear exactly. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. sorry. Uh, sorry, not last episode, two episodes before. I wasn't quite sure what all the allegiances was. Uh, Frankie spells it out for us because he was the first to return to the island. And he basically saw and Rayleigh told him the rest. 
which was Kuma was 100%, in fact, an officer of the Revolutionary Army, but he was definitely being T-1000, like, you know, completely cyborged out to be a puppet of the government. And so he did that one final mission to actually save the Straw Hats on behalf of the Revolutionary Army, because, I don't know, maybe the dad wants this, to protect his son. This section makes me more intrigued by Vegapunk. Vegapunk now. and Kuma. And Kuma, because I, I don't know Kuma's motivations for, like, agreeing to that in the first place, and I don't yeah. understand Vegapunk's motivations for accepting this request when, as far as we know, he's 100% on the government side, right? Yeah, and then so yeah, he still... why he'd accept that request to, like, aid pirates. Exactly, because he programmed the final, the, 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 the Kuma that we saw at the end of post-Marine Ford, um, that Kuma that had the Bible, you know, so you know it's him. He was fully roboted at that point, but he was following that final objective that Justin just mentioned, the programmed final objective, which was to protect the ship until one of the Straw Hats got back. And everyone was bloodied and bruised up. We actually kind of skipped it at one point, but the, the what was it, the Rose Pirates, the Rose, what are they called again, sorry? Oh, the, uh, the Rosie Life Riders. Yeah, they got fucked up. The Kuma bot, uh, we found out, was also fucked up. Everyone was trying to get that hold of that ship, because, hey, it's a good quality ship. Thousand Sunny is fucking dope. And yeah, great ship. Yeah, but once... Frank showed up, Frankie showed up, then it was like mission accomplished, and then a head back, right? Like, like almost one-to-one, -one, like a T-1000 almost. Like, the, the robot bit shown and everything. And Frankie ends up saying the line, we are very indebted to him. So I wonder if that implies that when they run into Kuma again, they're going to be, maybe they're going to be trying that sympathetic approach where it's like, hey, Kuma, aren't, don't you remember who you were? Don't, weren't you a part? Like, you know, maybe they're going to try that approach in the future. Because what that line Frankie says, that's what my thought process was going on, right? Mm -hmm. We are very indebted to him. So that made get it gave me food for thought, um, and yeah. Now that we got the full descent and full going, full swing at this point. And also, just another quick note is it was nice to see. We talked about I think maybe last week or the week before that. We kind of wanted to see if they're gonna talk it out, the Straw Hats, the whole situation. And we also did see like Luffy and Zoro kind of off the side, like, "Hey, so where were you for the last two years?" I and saw then, that. Yeah, it, like doesn't show us the rest of the conversation, but it's just nice to see those kind of touches yeah. in the background. I I love to imagine it was like, well, about that. Do you remember that guy back <laughs> yeah, who almost killed me? <laughs> yeah, he kind of taught his house. me some things. <laughs> he kind of taught me some things. Yeah, I kind of totally imagined like a like a side spinoff series. It's a collection of like little conversations like that, and that would be one of them for sure. Um, very a lot of funny moments like that. Uh, while they're descending, uh, it turns out to be a plot point that I thought was a great gag in the last arc, which was Sanji. Uh, his horniness being uncontrollable, and I thought that was a funny gag because if you recall, I said Usopp was being over dramatic in that favorite panel of mine, and then it turns out, oh, that's a plot point at the beginning of this arc. Sanji yeah. is literally close to bleeding to death because he just looks at Nami or Robin, and then ten pints of blood shoot out of him instantaneously. I thought that was kind of funny at first because you know usually it's just a running gag and gets annoying, but that actually like okay, they're turning into a gag. Okay, let's see where it goes. Um, I didn't expect that. <laughs> yeah, it definitely came back around. So, like, like I mean, it's it's glow up Nami, so I don't blame him. But I'm also like, dude, control yourself, control right. yourself, control yourself. Um, okay, so oh God, I don't know where to start because again, so the descent, this part that we both love so much, even though it's like five chapters, there's a lot of fun parts about this, though. It's it's pretty fun overall, but also like. 
there's personally for me, I there's nothing necessarily there that I feel like incredibly obligated to mention. That you is know? true, yeah. None of my notes here are like in big bold font where it's like yeah. you must mention this. Um I will say for the sake of just uh little notes I have made here, when they first descent they find like the giant tree trunks and roots on the ground. I got huge that, like beautiful panel. Absolutely. I got huge uh do you you've played the first Dark Souls, right? Have you have you played uh, that? I played all bit? the Dark Souls. I played every from software game. Do yeah. you remember <laughs> do you remember the part of Ash Lake that looked like you were underground or underwater? With yeah. the giant trees. It looked like oh, that. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> Except they were actually underwater this time. So I'm like, are we going to see a fucking stone dragon at the end of this? Holy shit, that'd be fucking dope. Um, at some dragon point, on the castle. <laughs> like that is. Time. You know what? That is true. That is true. That is true. We got that. <sighs> Ash Lake's a dark, is a One Piece reference. So, uh, another side thing that does happen is I mentioned the, the caribou, the, cor- the caribou pirates. They follow them. They can quickly catch up. It's and this starts the series of references back to Arlong Park, which at this point I'm like, okay, this is gonna be a huge essential part to this arc because we get to see Momu all the way yeah. back from Arlong Park. He's dragging the ship of the Korob- Caribou Pirates. He recognizes uh, that was Luffy. So funny, he's like his <laughs> PTSD still. Yeah, has it triggers, it. and then he just fucking swims out is, of there. This is the second time his Straw Hat PTSD has <laughs> come into play in the story. That is very true. But in this case, if it's at the very start of this, I immediately, I'm just going, oh, we're getting some Arlong references in this fucking arc. We're going back with... So I thought, okay, Nami's going to have a very big part in this role. Right? It's the first of many. But this is the first one where I go, oh? Oh? Okay, okay. So that happens. Uh, Caribou, even though he's wanted for a ton of berries, he's small fry. He's by himself. He's a coward. Straw hats apprehend him right away. Um, and they just, he, they just lock him up in a bucket. It's kind of funny, actually. But there's even the panel where he's trying to hide and then Frankie just walks up to I shared that with you today, actually. There's the panel of, like, uh, Caribou's, like, announcing his plans <laughs> out loud from the barrel. And Frankie is a step-by-step yeah. step going down the stairs. <laughs> his head just, like, creeping out. And, looking so, like and then uh, just listening to this guy, tilting his head, going, are you fucking seeing this shit? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, that's really good. It's, it's, a, it's a great little, uh, great little gag there. Um... But yeah, so as they keep descending and we have all these classics of like just going into the depths of like what legends are down here as well as in real life as well, what sea creatures are down here. We have the classic, um, the fake out with the boarding party, right? With the caribou crew. Right. We got the waterfall current, which was fucking sick. Yeah, um, that was really cool. Classic, classic use of the Kraken. I saw that yeah. and I thought, okay, that's not Cthulhu, but I'll fucking take it. It's, we're getting uh, closer, you know? We're closer, <laughs> one step closer to Cthulhu. Yeah, it's, it was a huge Kraken. It was huge. I'm like, okay, okay. The size is getting there. Okay. We have the Abyss, where literally it's pitch black, and they couldn't see anything without Frankie's nipple lights. And <laughs> the deep sea creatures, thermal vents. We even got the fucking flying Dutchman ship flying around. Tattered, which seemingly was going to be a huge fucking part in this arc, too. Because, like, you don't give the name, like, the flying Dutchman to right. a ship. And the way, like, they introduced Vanderdecken, you know, like, oh, the ancient immortal, like, ghost captain. It seemed really badass. Yeah, and it was, they and, found it in the abyss, surrounded by all these massive sea creatures. 
There's a that was a really funny gag with Brooke too. Who's like starts freaking out because it's a ghost ship when you know like he literally came from <laughs> he the literally last came. ghost ship they found. Yeah. It was funny. This is my second one I've seen in all my life. Uh, but yeah, like all these real life animal references: massy jellyfish, gulper eels, frilled sharks, anglerfish. Like Oda just put them all in there, except yeah. for the one squid that I shared with you on Discord, which was like the Magna squid. I forgot the whole name of it. But it looks like an alien with, like, a kilometer long tentacles. And I'm just like, Oda, this could be a villain. Okay. Have it so that he's, like, a puppet string kind of guy and the end of his tentacles are invisible. But you look up and they become more visible and you just see the actual body at the top. You could totally do that. uh, Just either, I think Vanderdecken, they, uh, I don't know. I just felt like it was a really (laughs) cool, just that literally that one page and the quote, like, introducing him. Yeah, made him seem like it was a pretty cool like idea for a villain. I because I assumed it was some kind of devil fruit like that made him immortal in some way or something. So I assumed he had something crazy power, but it's actually just like a joke. And Vanderdecken really actually sucks. Yeah, yeah, he kind of does. His introduction was definitely the best part about him. Like some very like yeah, actually going back to what you just said, uh, like like a variation like the revive revive fruit that Brooke had, and it's like no, I have the the immortal immortal fruit. What is that? version it makes me yeah, this is, you have the life life fruit i've got the live live fruit and just don't die you know and anything but yeah cute yeah cue in the inner shock face when they say you've heard of that fruit now you're the life life fruit <laughs> oh my god um yeah but eventually uh they make it through after some series of adventures it's kind of short unfortunately i was having a lot of fun um in hindsight i guess we kind of do mention but like, send on a little bit is is a criticism here where this is the first time we're seeing the Straw Hats extensively after their, you know, their return. They could have, uh, Oda could have used this part to really have the crew catch up a bit more. Like you said, like, while they're adventuring through the waters, make it more of a time for yeah. them to actually catch up with each other a bit longer. Because the only time we kind of see that is with, you know, Zoro and Luffy for that one panel. Or we're just seeing the Straw Hats being themselves again. But it ends up being more traditional where it's like, no, the sailing yeah, is going to be quick and fun. It's basically straight back to business as usual, right? Yeah, which is, okay, one thing, but even as a person who wasn't waiting so long, or how long did it delay between uh, post uh, uh, time skip so and So if I remember correctly, he took about two months off after, okay. like, on the time skip. So it wasn't, so it was a wasn't while. too, too long, but yeah, it was about two months off, and then when we came back to Shibondia, then it was pretty much back to week to week every yeah. every once in a while oda will take a week off because you know it's good for him and yeah no one really minds it was like him taking care of himself so he oh, usually do about three chapters a month but after that two month break it's been pretty consistent since then no hiatuses or anything yeah i asked that question because i i'm i'm not waiting super long to go on to the next chapters but I was kind of thinking that after the time skip, that maybe it'd be a bit different for the introduction. Like, kind of, like, re- get reassociated back with the characters. Yeah. But instead, Oda just went with the, like, just back to the business as usual, back to what he's doing, what he does best. So, a little disappointed in that regard, but at the same time, like, well, it was fun while it lasted. And Yeah, it was a really good arc intro, but, like, that's why I wanted more of it, because it was so good. <laughs> Mm-hmm. We get uh we get a, a second reference to Arlong Park right before they get to Fishman Island, where one of the, a pirate named Hammond he has the Arlong pirate uh tattoo on his arm I think yeah and he you know in demands like either you become our slaves or you die you make your choice and the triads obviously make a run for it um shit happens uh they get some of them get separated which you would think would be a major plot 
uh, like a major plot uh, intrigue, kind of like you right. know, like Arlong Park, since we're on this series of Arlong Park references. Started thinking, oh, at this point, some of them become separated. Is it going to be like that arc where each you know character is separated and they have to rely on their best strengths and avoid their weaknesses to reunite? Right. Not really. They get to Fishman Island and half of them are like with Cammy. Right, Cammy is already back uh, from yeah. before. Uh, Sanji's kind of girlfriend, not really. <laughs> <laughs> he wishes, dude. Yeah, he wishes. Hey, it's still my head, Karen. He if if Kami agreed to date Sanji, he would stay on Fishman Island. He would. I'm Absolutely. sure of it. He would. He would. Absolutely. Um, still my head, Karen, that he got someone he almost drowned that one uh, during the beginning of Sabote. Um, and we kind of get an introduction to what I thought the story was going to really dive into, and it does at some point uh, later on, which is classism within uh, Fishman Island. Where yeah. Kami says right away, like, the, the, those of us who are poor, we can't afford to live up there where it's more sunny, more, you know, cleaner air within their air bubble, by the way. Because um, mermaids and freshmen, they can breathe air and water. Mm-hmm. And, but my, 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 like, the pal Papagoo, you know, Bob Marley, he's made it good. He's got a good shop going up there. We can go visit him up there. Let's take this very cool turtle taxi up there. Um, along the way, we get, like, to see some clever water roads that mermaids and fishmen can take to get somewhere faster. Yeah, this is actually probably, like, one of my favorite designs of locations. Yeah, it's great world building. It's, it's yeah, great world it's design. Like up, it's up there with Water 7, just, for, like, the sheer spectacle of, of the location. Yeah, how would fishmen and mermaids traverse from place to place? If you don't want to swim, you can take the, 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 the turtle taxi or the fish taxi, or you could use the, the water roads, which are, like, literally, like, tubes. Almost like a Zootopia with like the gerbil, uh, the yeah, gerbil yeah. pipes where they could shoot from area to area. And I'm just like, public transportation is so dope <laughs> in all <laughs> yeah. these areas. Um, but we get a little bit of that. And on, along the way, um, unfortunately, I guess fortunate and unfortunate for Sanji, they stop across a, like a, a sauna for mermaids. And um, he's happy, yeah. <laughs> to say the least. Uh, but I, I have a question, though. So while Sanji is celebrating and he's, you know, you know, with mermaids, he's in, he's in heaven right now. He claims that he found the all blue. Yeah. yeah. That's a big deal. That's not the all blue, right? He was just in heaven. I, I'm pretty sure it's a joke. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Because if I recall in Verite, the all blue was where all fish were in one area. And then you can have like the best collection of fish and you can cook the finest meals because they're all in one location. You know, right. mix and match kind of thing. And then he just goes, I found the all blue. And I don't think anyone really challenged him on that. So that's why I'm just confused. Going, this isn't the all blue, right? Us- Usopp did, like, br- or Chopper. Chopper's like, dude, this isn't the all blue. Calm down. Oh, okay, <laughs> you know? okay, okay, okay. I, th- I, I wasn't, wasn't as clear as I wanted it to be. But yeah, like, Sanji was in heaven yeah. kind of thing. Um, we get some run-in with the royal family. Uh, the princes, they show up. And people are like, oh my god, the royals never leave their palace. And immediately they're like, oh, they're serving as the border patrol. And they they uh, heard that uh, some pirates got through. And have you seen some pirates? Ah, nothing. And then, well, you know, while well, they're trying to hide. Um... <laughs> yeah, Sanji's real dream comes true. <laughs> yeah, his real dream comes true. Not actual sex. This is like this is like the second time he's gotten a face full of mermaid pie. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, that's true. He but does have this... some luck on his side. Yeah, in this, in this case, I will give Sanji credit for it. Like, he did try for the longest time holding the, the blood spurts in. Um, and then it just, it, it, it it's kind of like, you know, in real life when you hold you hold the back the pressure on a pipe for too long and it explodes. In this case, yeah. his blood exploded from his nose and it formed like a water fountain in the shape of a mermaid. <laughs> so, 
Who's, <laughs> who's your favorite like mermaid girl though? Oh, you gotta have one from that made big panel oh, of Kami's friends. On, come on, man! I wasn't prepared for this. Because <laughs> I'll say straight up, mine is the one that Sanji was with. She's that, like, I think that, she's my favorite. That's the safe answer. That's the safe answer, I guess. Um, is it? I, I thought the girl above her in the panel would be most people's answer. <sighs> I think, <laughs> there's some good looking girls, you know. I I don't remember. I there's in that. I'm, I'm guessing you're talking about that double spread panel. Um, there was yeah. like one kind of in the background that was kind of further back that I noticed more than the others. I guess even though she was in the background, mm-hmm. or the foreground, I should say. But honestly, I don't remember too much. <laughs> I guess like what what I'm really captivated by, especially because we 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 talked about in the past some of the faces on Oda's girls look the same. He has so when, he, when I see this. like yeah, when I see like the good looking quote unquote like girls that have a different kind of face like that mermaid, I'm like ooh, it's you they know? stand out more. Yeah, yeah. So that that was I actually remember that. Yeah, that was definitely a complaint I had early on with One Piece, like my initial reactions where I'm just like, so a lot of the ladies just have identical faces. Like even you go back to the older characters, like the 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 bartender back on Windmill Village. Her face looks very similar to young Nami. Like the Nami, and, yeah, like to Nojiko, to, to you yeah, know, to, to everyone, to everybody, even to Bellamere. <laughs> like everyone, has to the pretty same much old like faces. every notable pre-time skip girl, except for Robin, who had like the most distinct face. Exactly, and even and even when that happened, when I first saw her, I'm just like, she's kind of creepy. It's like a man. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It but hey, it was it, it was unique and different, and now it's grown on me. But yeah, to answer your question, I don't have a clear answer for you. Sorry, but um. Yeah, so the Straw Hats, uh, they escape from everything, although it turns out the princes were actually looking for the Straw Hats to share a message from Jinbei, so obviously we got and, some drama there. And they were on. trying to uh, invite them to the palace for a feast, because like when they fought the Kraken on the way down, they freed Megalo, who is the princess's pet shark. Right, yeah, <laughs> that right. funny shark. <laughs> I uh, like So, I mean, first, first uh, animal bro so far, not bad. <laughs> Not bad. Of the, uh, the post time skip. Hey, a princess I like with a, Yeah, a princess with a shark for a pet. Hey, that's dope. <laughs> that's not bad. Um, but yeah, they wanted to uh, reward them for that. But unfortunately for them, they have to worry about Sanji, who is basically close to dying from blood loss. And we get our first major introduction to what I thought was uh, the second step, right? The first part I thought was classism, like separation of wealth, separation of people mm-hmm. status within Fishman society. They mentioned the Fishman District being like the cold, danker part of the of Fishman Island. Don't go there. And then they got Fishverly Hills, where you know Pop Pug lives, and yeah, exactly. And fancy, literally Fish Fish Everly Hills, or whatever they called it. Literally, yeah, Beverly Fish Hills. Fishverly Hills. Yeah, yeah. And I'm just like Bob Marley wouldn't live up there, would he? Come on, man. <laughs> but either way, like it's the point of like it's the separation of status in the society. But the next big thing, which I was very impressed by. Was when Chopper was, you know, asking for blood, right? Does anyone have this type of blood? Sanji right. needs this type of blood. Uh, and then Hammond, uh, the guy from earlier, rejoins in and does the elitist talk, but he lets him know here in Fishman society, fishmen are forbidden to share their blood with humans. It's an old human law when it was vice versa. And because of that same old, like, bitterness, we're just enforcing that law to now. After all, Fisher Tiger. The great hero we heard back from uh, ha- uh, Hancock's backstory. Hancock. Mm-hmm. He died because of that law. And I was really impressed by this. This wrung a memory with me. I mentioned this prior to recording as well. Where this is based off a real life series of events that 
unfortunately, the United States did. Sorry for the historical references, but this is how I enjoy shit. Is back in 1941, we established a national blood bank, right? Very important. We collect all the blood. So when people lose the blood or, you know, in times of war, right? Because this is when World War II was about to breaking out, but yeah. America hadn't gone into it yet. This is in February of 1941. And they established a national blood bank. Q in one month before Pearl Harbor, they say, black people, you are not allowed to donate blood. You're not. And, and you're thinking, yeah, <laughs> you're probably going to change that role, right? When World War II actually hits, right? You're going to need all that blood. No. So what happens is at early 1942, they go, black people, you can donate blood, but we're only going to share that blood with other black people. They segregated blood packs back in the day. Thank you, United States of America. <laughs> Thank right. you, old racists. Yeah, and this definitely does seem to be a reference to that. Absolutely, right? it is. Yeah, like 100%. So, let's be real. Yeah. It so, is. so when I saw that, I'm going, oh, we're getting into some racism storytelling here. Okay, Oda. Yeah, I'm like, ready. Oda's actually getting real. <laughs> All right. Real we, today. Got, we got classism. We got references to old racist segregated we laws. Got, <laughs> we got drug abuse. We got <laughs> drug abuse. Welcome we got, to Fishman Island, boys and girls. <laughs> We got poor districts, and then we got, like, crazy-ass high castles with the stone dragon we mentioned earlier from Ash Lake. Oh, but we got, yeah, so we got all that shit going on right now. Uh, we also get our first peek at uh, Captain Hody Jones, who is a, basically a, prede- uh, not predecessor, sorry, a, um... Successor. <sighs> successor, thank you. To Arlong. Um, straight up, just in charge of the new Arlong pirates, or the new Fishman pirates, sorry. Um, Hammond is with them, and yeah, we get our first reveal of that. However, um, I think they get picked up by King Neptune at this point, right? They escape yeah. again. Mm-hmm. King Neptune himself visits them, and oh, right, because when they ran again, they ran into a friend of Cammy's, who is a big titty goth girlfriend, Madame Charlie, who we're talking about unique designs. Right. To answer your question, Justin. This is my favorite mermaid, okay? <laughs> I mean, I was just talking about the girls, you know, like Cammy's I friends. Hey, I, I have a very selective taste. <laughs> Madame Charlie is that taste, all right? <laughs> yeah, I Anyway. Know. No one will fall for this. We got the old, yeah, she's an a ancient fortune teller. She's able to predict, uh, she's, you know, people trust her because whatever she foretells happens. It becomes a major part, however, when after the Straw Hats leave with the king, uh, she has a freakout, and she goes, Straw Hat Luffy will bring destruction to the island, to Fishman Kingdom. Our perspective, though, when we see what she sees, it's a shadowy figure with a, what looks like a straw hat, right? So, yeah. immediately, my brain is going, either that's not, that's not him. Like, that's probably Roger back in the day, and it's like a delayed prophecy. Maybe like a, a delayed action, maybe. Or maybe someone else with a very similar hat, and it's kind of like a cop-out kind of thing. Who knows? Because I refuse to believe that Luffy would intentionally destroy the status of Fishman Island at this point, right? Uh, I actually disagree strongly. Okay, what'd you think? You know what I'm thinking? Here's what I was thinking at this point. Uh And, well, I'll I'll just say that. When I was, when I, not immediately, at first I was like, what? You know, like, Luffy's gonna destroy Fishman Island? No way. Yeah, that's where I was. <laughs> but then, like, I started thinking about it more and more as, like, you know, I'd be reading it week to week because <laughs> we, had, we had a lot of time to think about <laughs> these moments week to week. Oh, absolutely. We so eventually we came around and someone's like, you know, it actually is not that far-fetched to believe that 
that he would destroy Fishman Island in yeah, the same way that, well, no, just in the same way that, like, in the arc that mirrors this one, quote unquote, it's Arlong Park. And he destroys that tower. Where Nami didn't want to be, he's like, I'm just going to destroy it. Now you can never go back there. It's true. It's very similar to here, where they actually don't want to live in Fishman Island. Right? That's true, too. So there's they potential. They want to live that... on the surface. So there is potential at some point he'll come back. He will destroy the island. They'd be like, now you have to come with me to this place, like, you know, this island that I found. That's a big city or whatever. Something along mm-hmm. that line. So if I was reading this week by week with you, I would have been totally convinced by what you just said. Because I would have been like, that goes along with my themes of like, hey, this classism shit kind of fucked up. Hey, Luffy, can you do your thing and bring down, you know, bring down the hierarchy kind of thing? Destroy the tower, a.k.a. and fulfill that prophecy kind of thing? So mm-hmm. that's what I would have been totally thinking at that point, now that you mentioned yeah, so it. So it, it was pretty convincing, you know, once I like thought it all out, little the pieces, like, yeah, that does make sense. Mm-hmm. That absolutely does. So, okay. So at the time, when I was reading, I did think that old thought, which... You know, obviously, outside on that, obviously, I didn't think too much about it, but it right. does become a major, uh, a important enough for the royal family who have been very welcoming with the Straw Hats. Now, all of a sudden, they're like, you know, we've kind of trusted her in the past. And also, there's been some mermaids being kidnapped recently. In truth, it's actually Caribou. He actually escaped from that barrel and started kidnapping because, you know, trafficking. And so they're like, all right, so you know what? Straw hats, they're no longer welcome. We got we to gotta arrest them. We got to reverse it, right? We welcome them in, mm-hmm. and then we got to reverse the card. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh, a quick important world bit. Uh, we get our first introduction to um, protection by Big Mama. There was a factory they passed by that was like, oh, that's our new protector. Originally, it was right, Whitebeard. The, can- the candy factory. Yeah, and now we got Big Mama. Uh our new protector, we don't like nearly as much because Whitebeard, he did it for free because he cared or, you know, in his way cared. But Big Mama, she, she demands tribute, right, in the form of schools. Yeah, but we take what we can get, basically, you know? Like, yeah. She's still yeah, we, an emperor, so. <laughs> yeah, well, alone. We, we can't exactly say no. But, so, yeah. So, we go on, right? Straw Hats are considered pretty hostile at this point. Um, they're considered hostile. Uh, yeah. Luffy, of course, goes his own way because he's starving at this point. He wants food so bad to the point where he <laughs> leaves the other Straw Hats that he's. Oh, so what Straw? So what Straw Hats are together right now? So Luffy is with we have Nami, right Usopp, now Nami, Zoro, and Brooke. Usopp, Zoro, and Brook. Yeah. All right, and that's the group that we're talking about right now. Uh, Sanji is behind with Chopper because Sanji's recovering. He's getting treatment still. Yeah. Uh, Frankie and Robin are doing their own things. Robin is actually going out to look for a certain important, probably little thing. It's probably not that important. I I bet it's not. Yeah, it's not probably it. nothing. It's probably not the most intriguing <laughs> part. It's probably of not. the entire arc. Yeah, yeah, probably not. Yeah. Probably not. Pos- one of the most intriguing things in the whole series. Definitely. Oh, absolutely. Oh, totally. Totally Couldn't not. Totally not. Um, we also get a uh, another world building as a, a key term in the world building. Where we before we had the jewel tree Adam, now we have the sun tree E. That's right. the reason why Fishman Island has, even though it is literally as deep as the deepest parts of the Mariana Trench in the real world, thirty. And we had feet. it. So it was the the treasure tree and the jewel tree is the alternate names for them, right? Eve is, okay. is the jewel tree, was it? And Adam the treasure tree. Uh no, Adam is definitely the jewel tree. Uh, I thought Eve was the sun tree, but that's the treasure I, tree. Frankie, def- maybe it's a jewel tree or tre- maybe they're both alternate names for Adam. Then because I'm sure that Frankie called. He's like, yeah, my ship's made from the treasure tree, Adam. 
it, either way, they're very expensive, cool. Right. <laughs> they're valuable. There's viables. an name for ETH as well, but I can't remember what it was. Listen, it's, it, listen, it's hard. It's hard when I'm reading a dubbed, an older dubbed version right. of the manga, and compared to someone who like you who actually can read Japanese, you get direct translations, <laughs> so you know the shit directly. Um, that's our second biblical reference with all these trees. I wonder how far they'll go with right. the tree references. Yeah, but of that's very worth noting, actually, the Adam and Eve comparison. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I wonder if they'll go to Cain and Abel next with, like, these different tree biblical references. Who right. knows? Um, but yeah, so Luffy breaks off in the palace. Uh, he meets uh, the princess who had the pet shark by accidentally jumping on her boobs in the dark room. Luffy can't keep getting away with this. He can't keep getting yeah. away with this, dude. He, oh, I'm, I'm running away <laughs> to from. To be fair, if I'm in a dark room and I find myself on a, a springy, soft like surface, I'm not gonna, gonna assume it. it's a giant person's boobs. You know what I mean? <laughs> That's like the last thing I'm thinking. <laughs> like, yeah. come on. Luffy is definitely on a streak right now with just like shit that Sanji just hates Luffy for over envy. First time, uh, Luffy is just bare naked in front of a bunch of girls, just looking ooh-ah-ooh, look at those family jewels he's got. Yeah. <laughs> Second time, I'm running from those same girls. Oh, I tripped. Oh, I'm now in the sauna with the queen of now, all the Amazons. Dude, we can say for sure, if Sanji had been in Luffy's position, he would have died on Amazon Lily. Oh yeah, absolutely. He wouldn't have made it past the first hour. Absolutely He'd, not. He would have died. Actually yeah. died of blood loss. Real talk, he would have died. Absolutely. He would have died for sure from Hancock's power, and if he somehow prevailed through all that, he somehow... wouldn't. Have, he wouldn't have made it to Hancock, dude. At the point when like nope. he would have been caught in the cage, because like if they caught Luffy, they're gonna catch Sanji. Let's be real, yeah, right. Like yeah. definitely would have ended up there, and he's like naked, and they're like, "Can I touch your your gold?" That's the game. It is over. <laughs> like, and then the part where they're like, "Oh, he's a pirate. He's a man. He's gotta get out of here." He's like, "That's my kink, baby." <laughs> Eats it right there. Rest in peace, Sanji. He never joined back the Straw Hats, but he died a happy man. Uh, anyway, sorry. Sorry, we're getting distracted here. Sorry. It's fun shitting on Sanji. Um, Princess uh, Shirahoshi? Shirahoshi? Is that how you pronounce yeah, it? Yeah, Shirahoshi. Shirahoshi. Uh, incredibly sheltered. Even Craven. She's a big crybaby. You know, the traits that Luffy despises, if you remember, back all the way at uh, Romance Dawn. Was that the f- that whole first arc? Yeah. Right? When he met Kobe? Um, I don't know. Sorry, I wasn't sure if Romance Dawn included the Zoro portion or not. Yeah, yeah, um, it's like the whole Orange Town section. Okay, 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 okay. So yeah, so if you remember that this is in character with Luffy, he even says "I hate you," even though he just starts eating her food, <laughs> making her cry. For her. I'm just like, Luffy, you can't just do that. <laughs> but it's in character. Um, we learn more about Vendor Deccan about his power. Um, uh, little key detail they don't they don't call it the Mark Mark power. He has the Mark Mark curse. I thought it was like cool little linguistic difference mm-hmm. and it, it's kind of just like a callback to uh, i think really early in the series when they called it like the curse of the devil fruit you know like did you yeah. get, oh, eat a devil fruit you get cursed and yeah just yeah. you know consistency yeah changes changes are very are real slow here in uh fishman island it's consistent with the theme here and basically vander decken is obsessed with the princess it, where if you don't marry me then i'm just gonna kill you a pedophile. <laughs> oh, man. We're not there yet. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah. It's so we'll, creepy. I have to say. Yeah, we'll get there. We'll definitely get that's, there. That's the most unsettling part of this arc. Yeah. This, is Vander Decken's obsession with Shirohoshi. It's a, it's a real shame that it's not, like, the, the, the real, like, creepy, like, sinister character where it's like, dude, you are so fucked. You know, kind of like the worst characters from Game of Thrones where you're just like, oh, my right. God. 
you're great on screen, but I fucking hate you. Instead, he ends up just being this huge creep because the whole point of the plot is that, yeah, if I can't have you, then I'm going to kill you. And I'm going to use my power. Just yeah, he's, he's a Yandere, right? <laughs> By Basically, definition. Yeah, I'm just going to keep chucking shit at you because you won't marry me um, over and over again. And in response to that, that's why she's been locked up her whole life in the reinforced doors. Uh, part of the reason why, but that's a bigger, that's one of the bigger reasons. And because of that, that's why she's so sheltered and she has the mind of a child still, even though she's this gigantic second Dark Souls reference, by the way. She's basically Guinevere, super giant and super like, oh <laughs> yeah. my God, the most beautiful you know, in all the land. I will, I will say, I think Dark Souls beats this arc by a little bit. <laughs> just a little. I'm not sure though. Yeah, we're just making I'm a actually not, I, I think yeah, I'm just I'm wondering. I'm actually curious now. Like this was like 2010, which is pretty close to Dark Souls, right? But I think that was maybe 2009. But anyways, we're, that's irrelevant. We're, we're, I, well, kind of in the curiosity sense. We're, we're at 2010. We're at 2010. Now? I, I think this is about 2010, hmm. 2011 of when the manga was being published. Yeah. Hmm. Well, in that case, either way, that's better for me. I love Dark Souls. Only only ten more years. <laughs> only so ten more years, baby. I'm getting there. <laughs> Um, but yeah, he meets Princess Shirahoshi, um, they have a, they have fun interactions with each other, so even though Luffy acts like he's being super rude, um, at the, at the end of the day, he goes, hey, you want to get out of here? Like, I, you, like, you know, you're kind of a wimp right now, but you just want to get out of here? Like, you seem kind of sheltered. I want to go on an adventure, I'm bored, I'm hungry, I'm bored. And she goes, can I go to the, the, the forest of the sea? And we just go, alright, cool, new objective, Luffy just separates, go to the forest, um, with the princess. Inside of the pet shark smack. Poor shark. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Poor Megalo. Yeah. <laughs> you sent me that picture of him like gagging. Like ex- his Megalo's existence is pure pain. <laughs> oh, great. Uh, every moment I live is agony. <laughs> yeah, uh, I feel poor, bad for him there. Poor Megalo. Like so, some best some best pets, they have it easy. Megalo, he has to do the hard work. <laughs> Not eat this giant princess and just gag. And just oh, so bad, so bad. Um, I will say but, I got to shout out the classic Nami moment where, like, in the middle of the action, she's like, "Oh, I'm out of here." <laughs> like Zoro's gonna be fine. Oh, right, that's a little later, but yeah, yeah, yeah. That happens. Um, oh, we're, what we see at this point in this whole first section that we're covering, there are no major fights that are shown. They're either one panel or they're off screen. For example, right, like Cody met- getting wrecked by Zoro. <laughs> yeah, but, which happens a little later. Uh, just real quick, um, we mentioned that Zoro, Nami, Brooke, Usopp—they're all in the palace room. Basically, they're being told, "Oh, arrest them!" And literally, you turn the page, and all the guards are just down on the ground. And then the next time it cuts away, the king is chained up. Right? Yeah. So it's <laughs> ongoing- how did this happen? And Zoro's like, "Oh, they they started it." <laughs> Yeah, they start, they started it, dude. I, I was a, I don't know. I trained, dude. I I fucking trained. Dude. Honestly, there's like in that little section there too, like this whole the siege we get to now, because now they've basically kidnapped the king and Zoro just kind of falls into that role, right? Yeah. Where like when like, the princes come back and they they get a little Denden Mushi, which uh the snail phones. They get their mm-hmm. like con their little communications open and Zoro just like he's like, Yep, I guess we are kidnapping him. Here's our demands. Like yeah, you know, let's here, see. here's what you gotta do now. Go. <laughs> well, we're pirates, time to live up to the name. Fuck it. <laughs> you started it. I'm gonna finish it. Yeah. Um, like I, I really like that. Yeah. But as you mentioned, uh Hody gets involved and the reason why it's because this horrific moment where, you know, we're on showcase again of how racist the Arlong pirates are. Hody grabs a bunch of stranded human pirates and goes 
You have no choice in the matter. I'm going to hurl, uh, sorry, Vanderdecken is going to hurl you at that stone wall. If you die, you die. I don't care. You're human. If you live, you're going to do everything in your power to open the gates from within so we can burst in, right? Right. And if you, if you do your job, we might let you live. You kind of have no choice in the matter. And it's fucking brutal. You see all the corpses, like, just, like, in, like, like there's one that has their head inside the stone wall. Yeah. There are actually, like, like, so many of them dead in that, like, panel, like, that died from the impact. Absolutely. And because the Straw Hats are so strong at this point, they're just nonchalantly talking, going, like, this is nothing, this is no big deal. One of the human pirates, like, struggles to get to the crank and opens the door. In comes in Hody's pirates, and they go, wow, you guys did all the work for us. Thank you, guys. Um, and continues that spree where, again, like, the Straw Hats deal with the mess right away for a third time in a row. You mentioned it already. Zoro one-shots Hody underwater. Underwater, you, fighting you his would, whole crew. Yeah, so, <laughs> in, so while this is going on, I'm going, okay, so Oda is definitely building up to a actual climax to show how strong the Straw Hats are. Because this is the first step in the new world. There's yeah. no way these fights are going to be super easy. Obviously building up to these great new things. And he's saving up for that, right? He's showing off how strong the base forms are. Kind of like when... Uh, I'm making a Dragon Ball Z comparison here. Kind of like when Goku gets to uh, Namek for the first time. And he's just yeah. like one-shotting all of the Ginyu Force, basically. Right. At his base form. So you're like, alright, got it. Just quick, show off how quick, how strong they are. Um, but they're building up to something. But yeah, it honestly, change. it's it very much has Romance Dawn vibes, right? Where Luffy and Zoro are just everywhere they, they show up, they're the strongest people on the island, you know, e- in early e- One Piece. But even quicker than that, because even in Romance Dawn, there were still some very cool action panels and parts to show off that, okay, it's quick, but there's some fluidity here. There's teamwork going on. Mm-hmm. In this one, it's off screen. It's, it's a so curve fast. stomp, yeah. Yeah, even with the main head honcho, Hody, getting one-shotted underwater by Zoro, and you're just like, god damn, is that the main villain this arc? It's gotta be villain. <laughs> right. Is Vander Decken actually the main boss? Like, I'm getting confused at this point. But then it shows off their secret weapon, which they take, <laughs> it's kind of a silly name, energy steroids. And yeah. this gives them like, you know, it's like a painkiller slash super strength uh, medicine uh, enhancer. And that forces. Yeah, it's, uh, uh, what, what was it called? It's the special water from Alabasta, basically. It works on the uh, same concept. Remember that? I do not remember that. That's an Alabasta reference? Yeah, Alabaster. So those guards that fought Lu- or uh, that fought Crocodile on uh, the roof of the palace, right? Right, like right, right before Sanji arrived, they had drinking some water, special water that did basically the same thing—a huge boost in power right. by an exchange of life energy. Right, and they said if you take them, then you start slowly dying or something. But yeah, in- this this seems very similar. <laughs> yeah, and in this case, in the words of Vendor Deccan later on, it makes you age quicker, but. Yeah, in Vander Decken's perspective, it makes you age faster, but other people's perspective is, no, it makes you die sooner, right? right. You're basically cutting down your life for some extra power temporarily. Um, and because of that, Nami leaves early on with Kami because, you know, Zoro and them, they got it. I trust them. However, they don't get it because they take the energy steroids. The wa- the room is filled up with water, so Burrow can't do anything. And, you know, they're basically outmaneuvered, outnumbered at this point, and they're basically apprehended by... Uh, the Fishman Pirates. It's kind of a weird sequence of events, so I'm not feeling too many... Honestly, yeah, at this point, I'm not feeling tension. It. Yeah, I'm not feeling tension at this point. I'm just like, they'll get out of there. It's no big deal. They just showed off how strong Zoro was against Hody, so he's not a threat to me. So, right. 
kind of a weird introduction how they did that, but at this point, no tension. Not, nothing at all. Um, also, a weird thing, too, I, I point, I noticed, how come the, it's kind of, I guess it's part of that disappointment where it's like the sea creatures I wish played a bigger role. How come the super beasts that the, the Fishman pirates have, how come they're like giant giraffes and rhinos and not like <laughs> actual like angular fish, gulper yeah. eels, giant squids? Like you literally, well, the Kraken's one of them, but you could have just completely gone through the encyclopedia or, you know, this is 2010, the internet's better at this point and just go, yeah, I'm going to put that fish in here. I'm going to put that fish in here. But instead right. we get, we get African animals. And I'm just like, like a bear fish. <laughs> I'm like, okay. Yeah. Yeah. And a bear fish too. Exactly. So I'm just like, Okay, <laughs> we got African animals and a bear. <laughs> the the bear is the wild card. <laughs> um, so after uh that, the perspective changes, and we shoot back to Jim Bay and Frankie and Den. Den is the brother of Tom. This was from Frankie's flashback, and Den and Tom look nothing alike. Funny little world building tip. Uh, Fishman. It doesn't matter if your parents both looked alike. You could look completely different because how it works with Fishman genetics is you have you just spin the wheel, right? If if your ancestor a thousand years ago had red hair and this other ancestor had black hair, but both your parents have blonde hair, you have a one in three chance of getting all the above <laughs> or like yeah, a one of the equal above. chance. It could be anything. Spin the wheel. 30% chance. Let's see what we get. <laughs> um, that's a fun little tidbit there. Uh, it probably explains why all the fishmen look so unique and different. Why some like fishmen have like six limbs, not f- eight, not four or something like that. Um, but yeah, Den's the one that's going to be coating the ship. Uh, we discover Robin finds a poneglyph. Uh, sorry, not yet. Not yet. Sorry. She, we, we realize she's going after a poneglyph. So immediately my curiosity is going, Oh, 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 baby. Are, are we getting there? Are we getting there? And of course, Oda's like, not yet. Not yet. Take a chill pill. Yeah, you gotta, gotta wait a little bit for that. <sighs> Oda, you motherfucker. But we're at the forest of the sea. It's a very beautiful panel of basically like a giant version of the Great Barrier Reef. Uh, it's very peaceful. All the whales are swimming overhead. And mm-hmm. there's a giant grave for the late Queen Odahime that Jimbei is here for. And what uh, the daughter of Shirahoshi is going for. And we learn that she was assassinated for following her ideals. And I'm just immediately going, I'm making a historical connection already, but I'll, I'll save it. familiar. I'll, yeah. I'll, 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 I'll save it for later, but this sounds awfully familiar since we're on that track of racism. But let's keep going. Um, shoot, where am I? Okay, so then I mentioned that already. I feel like basically that's Kind of it? Uh, until, like, the uh, Luffy gets to the sea forest, right? With Shirohoshi? Uh, kind of. Oh, real quick. While Hody was being one shot by Zoro right before that, again, with the Arlong references, Znami also sees the tattoo on Hody. So it's building up to, like, okay, and Jinbei is at this forest of the sea. Nami's going there, too, with Luffy and the princess. So, Amelia, I'm going, okay, we're going to get some explanation here, because this was something that we knew for a while, that Jinbei unleashed Arlong on the East Blue. That's what we were told. Right. But we don't know the whole story. And Jinbei seems like a pretty chill dude. Like, he's a warlord, obviously, but he seems on the favor of, like, let's not be super elitist and fucking bullshit about everything. Please don't. Um. So we're going along with that. They 
so they all get together, right? Uh, Luffy, Sanji, Frankie, Nami, and Chopper. I think he's here too. Um, mm-hmm. at the Force of the Sea, is he? I'm not. I don't sure. think Chopper and oh, Sanji is there. Yeah, Chopper must be. He must because he's with Sanji. Sanji is definitely here. There's there's a couple of parts that we kind of gl- glanced over where you know Luffy and the princess kind of stop at right, some point like in the town. when and then uh, Sanji getting protected by Chopper, like Chopper's fighting the guards that are coming for Sanji and him to yeah. Oh him. right, right, and then Sanji is cured because he saw the ultimate mermaid princess, and that kind of imploded where instead of dying from an overdose it's like it's kind of like that that uh the hammer uh game at the carnival where if you hit it too hard and you hit the belt it shoots straight back down and right. balances back down it's kind of like that where he hit it and it hit the bell super fast and just shot straight back down so he's back to normal now so i'm like all right cool i guess we're just we're just glad we're just dropping that plot point because it's just like hey eh, it was fun while it lasted <laughs> but we're, we're done we're done um that's why i remember sanji is with uh the important thing is that luffy nami Frankie, Sanji are all together, at the very least. Um, pretty sure Chopper's there, but regardless. What's right. important is we start this series of very tense talks that I really appreciate early on. Because Jinbei learns from Sanji, right? Because they know that Jinbei is responsible. And Sanji gets a little protective because Sanji's being Sanji. He's kind of, Honestly, he's really annoying at this part. But... He does have some points, right? Where it's like, you're responsible. Yeah, so I actually felt he was relatively justified there. He was justified, but he was being very, I don't know, immature about it. Because again, he's an immature person. So it could have been better, really? but... Did you feel like that? I felt like that, because when Jinbei and Nami... Nami? Nami were trying to have a like a adult conversation between the two about some shit that went down. And Jinbei is trying to talk, and then Sanji immediately explodes, going, That's all you gotta say! And then it's like, Nami is the one being calm here. So I'm just going, Sanji, adults are talking, let the adults talk. <laughs> that was my perspective on that. I don't think Sanji really popped off like that. At least I don't recall. No, what I do he, recall he, him saying he, was he like, did. You like fucked up, you know, Nami, and if you don't he, give me a satisfying answer, I'm not gonna forgive you. Yeah, exactly. He, he was a very direct threat. And then when Jinbei responded, Sanji was just disappointed. Where just like, that's all you gotta say? Like, he kind of erupted. But Nami was like, no, Sanji is fine. Let me talk. Um, God, what do I have on here? Yeah, so they have a very intense talk about the consequences and brutality of Arlong, right? It starts off that series. Jinbei's trying to open mm-hmm. up and start. And what I did like about this was it definitely seemed like Arlong... Uh, sorry, Arlong. Jinbei was, he knew he was trying to go through a minefield, right? He doesn't know how, how, how open of a wound is this, right? Right. It's very clear at the end of this, he feels intense emotional guilt for what he did. He takes responsibility for this. That's the emotionally mature thing of Jinbei. And he, but he feels like he's going through a minefield and it feels like he's trying to calculate what he's trying to say. Like he's trying to be honest, but he's not going to be brutal and to the point where it's like, yeah, this guy was fucking bloodthirsty. Like he's trying to, be careful what he's trying to say. And to reinforce how mature both of these people are, Oda gives us a whole series of flashbacks back to Arlong Park from Nami's perspective, even new panels, new storyboard bits, where the Arlong pirates are throwing her into that room going, you don't eat tonight, get to work. Uh, her stealing money and her getting shot in the arm. She's, you know, she has that wound on her arm going 70 million to go. And you're like, fuck, I don't remember these shouts at all. But Nami responds you know, slowly calculated. And again, it's like a very tense conversation, but I did like a lot. 
between these two. I think that's yeah, why I yeah, felt like too. Sanji was kind of butting in a bit. Because I'm just like, I want these two to talk and no one else. I, I didn't feel like he was super out of line there. But I'm, you know, I'm just reading it differently. Yeah, I get you. I get you. That's what I'm saying. Like, his reaction is justified. But it's in his way. Which, you know me. I'm just like, hey, just Sanji, just be quiet. Be quiet. Just a little bit. Just right now, just be quiet. So, but it is justified, right? It is the, it is a straw hat that's being hurt for this. Um, all the lines of like, you know, you've endured a great deal. And then Nami says the obvious line of like, after all this time, I still wouldn't pity Arlong no matter what happened to him. But I do have some questions, right? I'm, I'm, we're here. Let's close. Let's fill in some holes, right? Let's get some extra closure here. So, God, this is when it gets really heavy really fucking heavy um the flashback yeah 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 jimbei gets into detail of what's going on with the past and starts off immediately going like remember we were seen as fish not people so there's a lot of anger envy that we have going on and that and each one of us has a different way of dealing with it and arlong was one of the worst ones right uh even though the government had an official piece it was symbolic more than anything because they didn't do anything within the system to actually reinforce their newfound, you know, friendship with us. Everything else kind of stayed the same. Uh, we get panels of like the little children mermaid fish going up to look at Shibodi all the way from 30,000 feet swimming all the way up going, hey, that's really cool. That'd be cool if we could go there. Right. And what I loved was this little bit. They didn't say this exactly, um, but. Basically, what was essentially the golden age of pirates, right? Which we see as, like, the great time of adventure, right? It's Luffy's inspiration to get out there and be the Pirate King. This was the dark age for Fishman Island. This was pure yeah. chaos. The dark anarchy, side of, like, the great age of piracy. All the worst pirates going through, right? And just raiding the fuck out of Fishman Island, pillaging it, trafficking mermaids, all the worst bit, until finally at one point, Whitebeard declares this is under my protection, and the violence stopped. However, that's all the help they got, right? It was definitely needed, so they have some breathing room to establish, you know, their hierarchy, their classism that they got going on. But it's something, right? It's not pure anarchy. But I love that little detail where it was like, well, people on the surface, the human pirates were going through a golden age, we were going through a dark age. I love that detail of storytelling. And it's full of Great fucking quotes. One of my favorites is one of the from Jimbei, which is, you know, while shit's going on, it's 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 almost ironic. Those with the greatest power fear change the most. And I'm rubbing my hands going, oh, Oda's going. He's going there. Oh, he's going there. All right. The, co- the, co- the core of the government decided to join hands. But under the surface, the roots of the racism still run deep. And I was like, oh, that's the first time we got the actual word. He said the R word, racism. Yeah, yeah. All right, we're going there. We're going there. And we get finally that start of that flashback where we get to see Queen Odahime. We get to see Fisher Tiger. And yeah, I'm going to try and keep my history talk to a minimum because I'm going to let the arc, the flashback do the talking more so because we're getting heavy. We're getting fucking Yeah, it's like one of the most like real you know, like subjects, one piece is covered. Oh, yes, it is. Absolutely. Because, again, those political historical connections I'm making, I'm like, this is completely plausible. This is completely 
believable that this could happen to the society, right? It's not like some bullshit where it's like, oh, this magic relic has brought peace to the realm, but it was it was taken, and now we have pure chaos, you know, like a supernatural stuff. I'm like, okay, it's kind of fun, but it's not realistic. But in this case, it's like, oh shit, okay, so we got Queen Orohime. She is this politician, slash, you know, queen, obviously, who is an advocate for integration uh, with the humans up above. She's begging, pleading with people. She's a, basically a town crier where she's going on the streets, pleading to people to please sign these uh, petitions so that we can urge the government to please consider allowing us to immigrate up top, right? Basically, oh, God, I wish I researched this more later. Where, because we're getting political, obviously. She wanted to go for, like, okay, so you have a very surface level law where we're friends, right? Because of, like, a piece of pamphlet that said, you know, peace amongst us. But now the next step to ingrain that further into law, because culturally and socially, the fishermen are still horribly oppressed. But this next step, when we integrate, we can finally allow at least the younger generations to mingle with one another and go, you know, we're not so bad, you and I. We're not so yeah, different. Yeah, not so right? different. It's very idealistic, of course. But it, she's done. She's sticking to her guns, absolutely. Because we're seeing a younger Jim Bay, and he's like, "That's not gonna fucking happen." It's it's idealistic, but we see a bit more. We get we see a more cynical uh, Jim Bay here, and we also see Arlong again. And boy, is it weird to see Arlong again. Great in a reader away, but boy, is it weird. He has not changed one bit. <laughs> and we see him in the flashback. He's that same elitist asshole that's like. Fuck all humans. We're stronger. We need to kill them all. They fuck us over every time. We need to fuck them over every time. And it's like, holy shit, dude. <laughs> like, he has not changed a bit. So, it is, I guess it's recontextualizes Arlong a bit, because you do get to see more, or we at least can explain why he's, he is the way he is. Uh, or at least a reinforcement, because he was like this from minute one, we see him in this flashback, but we get the reinforcement to why he stuck to his guns after all this time. Yeah, it's just like, at the time, we didn't know that, like, he'd ever been on the receiving end, you know? Absolutely. So, without jumping too far ahead, but yeah, we see how people react to major events that occur in this, where Jinbei, we see him, you know, he's humbled, he's changed for the better, but people like Arlong grow even more hatred. And become even more evil and elitist to the point where, yeah, and I'm going to go over to, you know, <laughs> Arlong Park, future Arlong Park, and just wreak havoc in the East Blue. But we see two different heroes, right? It's not just, the flashback is not just of Queen Orihime, who is basically a queen of the people. She's super popular. She mingles with them. She admits that she's not perfect because she sees, like, people doing petty crimes, right? Because they're desperate and, you know, horribly poor. So she understands we have a lot of work to do, right? I understand. Like the her defining characteristic to me that was trying to get through that she cares about the people, right? She's yeah, it's kindness. It's her biggest trait. Or like I know it sounds like a very simple term, but it's like no, it's one of the one of the virtues of a person is kindness, right? It's to it's to make it's to show how much you care for each and every person. Obviously, she does the thing where she slaps around the robber after she catches him, but then she goes, but it's also my fault you're forced to do this, I'm sorry. It even makes the criminal apologize while he's being handcuffed and going, I've changed! Thank you, queen! So, she is popular, but her policy that she wants to do, her project, is unpopular right now. But we see the other half of this flashback, which is Fisher Tiger. We got this name drop, we saw a bit of this character in Hancock's flashback the person who freed all those slaves from the Celestial Dragons. So immediately you're going, 
okay, this guy's a cool guy, man of action. He knows what he's doing, right? He's a, he even uh, gets the Sun Pirates together. He gets Jimbe, who is cynical, right? He's a member of the Neptune's army at this point, but he's cynical. He's not full of hatred, though. And we see Arlong, and they literally join under uh, Fisher Tiger because he's that influential. He's that charismatic. He's that successful. He can get these people of different opinions on humans all together. And we're like, yeah, we're going to go out there. We're going to free slaves no matter what, right? Across the board. We're going to raid Navy vessels, free slaves. We're going to do some good shit, right? Mm-hmm. Um, gosh. And then, <laughs> again, this is so fucking heavy. I'm trying to try not to miss any important key details here. Um. Do you have any thoughts on this while I'm trying to, like, like re- reposition myself here? Um, in so to speak. general, I mean, obviously, yeah. As for, like, the actual events of the flashback, you mean? Like, I like Ozohime, as we talked about a little bit again before in off uh, recording. Yeah. I thought Oda did a pretty good job at making me, like, you know, empathize and like her, at least. And especially, like, the moment after she, she gets all of her signatures and... But uh, oh, meanwhile, basically God, on the other yeah. side of this, she's like, oh, integration, we need to integrate. But the Arlong pirates are around and they're kind of just doing like a, an anti-campaign to that, which is counteracting it. And Yeah, so that's all. Yeah, thank you. You actually helped me uh, reposition myself. So Odohime, he is, she's the one playing politics, right? She's playing the slow game, but it's within the system. She understands if we do it within their rules, we can get one step closer, right? If they're holding their end of the bargain. There's even a in-universe, uh, we actually saw this before, it's a world meeting amongst the kingdoms, right? The, the reverie, which is basically a daydream, a daydream, if you would, um, where basically it's a meeting within all the kingdoms. And it's like, what, at these meetings, if we have the, the right number of petitions, these right number, this right number, we can possibly be uh, integrated as part of human society and not just being forced to be, you know, literally 30,000 feet beneath the surface, out of sight, out of mind kind of, no, let's actually get up there and be a part of society, right? Um, but, as of right now, like, she's playing the long game but she's not too good at it, right? At first, right? She's very friendly, people love her, but she's just constantly going we need to do this, sign the petition, we need to do this, sign the petition. And she's kind, but she's not really giving people extra reasons to do so. Not yet, right? And that's why her people's opinions on what she wants to do, her project, falls because Jimbei, the man of action, freeing slaves and attacking the humans, is getting results, right? They're freeing slaves, they're fucking up the Navy officers, the kids that are in Fishman districts, right? That very poor district that was an orphanage at one point, early on, before it was overrun by bandits. They're looking at Arlong, right? Because he was the boss of the district before he went off with Fisher Tiger. Going, yeah, it's so cool. He's fucking up those humans. Yeah, fuck yeah, he's doing the thing. He's killing the people, right? And you're going, oh shit. <laughs> They're kind of forgetting about these kids over here. Fuck. <laughs> and you're seeing the roots being planted. You're seeing everything yeah. going into play. And I thought it was incredibly creative of Oda to show different kids, different perspectives seeing this, right? Kids from this background seeing this. These kids seeing this. Um, while the events are um, unfolding before us. And while this is going on, uh, they meet a freed slave from one of Fisher Tiger's, I think, first run, actually. It's an 11-year-old girl named Koala. And at this point, before I go further, at this point, it's very clear, even though the fishmen joined up, have very different views, they don't like the fact that they're working together, not necessarily, right? Because Arlong wants to kill humans, right? Jinbei is like, I'm fine killing humans, but, you know, I'm here to free slaves more so. 
But Fisher Tiger is the one being very strict, going, no, we're breaking these laws. We're doing civil disobedience because, you know, it's morally just to free these slaves. But I don't want you to kill humans. I forbid it. And that's like, all right, that's also very idealistic. That's much, <laughs> that's really hard to do. But okay, 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 civil disobedience. Okay, that's what I got. And then they run into a little girl named Koala, who is, I'm going to admit, I had a very bad first impression where I'm just like, she is super fucking creepy. Oh my god, that smile is like a doll. Oh my god. And immediately, you know, Oda does the thing where he goes, well, I'm going to make you feel guilty for even thinking Yeah, because you agree with Arlong. (laughs) Yeah, because on one hand, I'm like, yeah, I'm agreeing with Arlong here, holy shit. And then immediately the doctor of the ship goes, yeah, she was a slave her whole life, and she was basically trained her whole life to smile all the time and clean the floors. That's why when she feels like she's anywhere threatened, she immediately starts cleaning the floors, even if she's getting kicked and punched around by Arlong, going, don't worry, mm-hmm. don't kill me, mister, I'm doing my work. And I'm just like, uh, That was no. so sad, dude. <laughs> we see Jinbei's reaction, we see Fisher Tiger. Obviously, Arlong has no sympathy because she's a human. But I can't. Uh, that's like, come on, bro. You really can't see the the comparisons here between yeah. yourself and this kid. Like, it's mm-hmm. just sad. It's just yeah. sad. More the reason to hate Arlong, but you know, fantastic mm-hmm. villain. But more the reason to hate this guy because he literally kicks kids, human kids, but kids. And what we see here is Fisher Tiger announcing, like, no, we're gonna take her as part of this crew. Right. I'm gonna give her the protection. I'm gonna give her unfortunately the sun pirate brand so i'm gonna hide that mark because she had the footprint right the dragon the dragon footprint brand and hide that first off and immediately i'm like oh we're totally gonna see this kid in the future we're totally gonna see this kid she's gonna be older right because it's been 10 years in this flashback and i'm like we're gonna see her again she's gonna have that brand and that's gonna be like oh my god that's koala (laughs) and she's gonna be like hey where's fisher tiger uh, <laughs> yeah, he's gonna show back up. <laughs> yeah, um, that's in some way. Uh, we'll know when we get, when we get to uh the village. She's like, I forget the name of the village right now. But basically, the cynical ones like Jimbei, maybe some untrustworthy ones like Hachi, because you know he's there too. They start liking the kid. They're like, oh yeah, we're seeing that you know not humans are bad. We're seeing how okay. The bad ones are the celestial dragons, right? Because they're the ones that still have the slaves. And the navy guys are enforcing those laws. But the villagers, and at the very least, the children, they're not to blame, right? They're still nice. They're still great. This kid even drops the great line of, uh, they just don't know anything. That's why they act like they do. And I'm just like, why is this kid smarter than most people in real life? Why, it's always the kids that, like, drop the wokest things. Yeah, the, the Like Sabo oh. back in, in the Luffy flashback, you know, and mm-hmm. then now Koala. Yeah, and exactly where it's just like, and this is actually very important why I bring that up, right? That, that line where she goes, because they don't know anything. Unfortunately, it's important. Sorry, that's all I'm going to say. Unfortunately, it's important. But either way, at this part, I'm just going, absolutely, this kid understands, because she's been with the Fishmen for a while now, too, and goes, no, you guys are great. Like, yeah, they're pirates, but she's also going like, no, you guys are working together, you guys are helping me reunite with my parents, it's great. And we get this wonderful montage, right, where they go through the seasons and everything. We eventually get to the island, and we get that wonderful panel, I think I shared with you before recording too, where she tries to hold Fisher Tiger's hand while they're walking to the village. And by the way, to declare the reasoning why uh, she won, uh, sorry, Fisher Tiger won over Koala's trust quicker, because she feared for her life. 
he literally tossed away his gun, his weapons, to go, we're unarmed. No one kills at this point. We're taking this girl back home, right? At the very least, he did. I don't think anyone, anyone else threw away their guns, but he threw away his weapons. Important, because after he drops her off at the village, it's very emotional. People aren't happy to see her. They're not happy to see Fisher Tiger, who's very cool, by the way. Very dope. He has the he has the jacket as a cape kind of thing. Very cool. I yeah. love that look all the <laughs> yeah. time. And when he goes back, he is ambushed by the Navy because they've been uh, notified by the villagers that, hey, this pirate is this fish man's going to be here. Take care of him. This wanted pirate. And immediately all the fishmen pirates are like, oh, my fucking God, the humans betrayed us. Our long is like, I fucking knew it. We can't trust him. And you're just like, oh, no, you're proving the racists right, dude. <laughs> you're fueling that endless cycle more. And it's even worse when you see Koala going, Where are? do I hear something over there? Because she's hearing gunshots. And the mother's going, no, it's nothing. And you're just like, oh, you bitch. <laughs> just like, oh, you're fueling the hatred. And then that's when we get to, like, the truth of Fisher Tiger's death, right? Yeah, the truth where it wasn't because the humans had him and withheld blood. It was out of pride, Fisher Tiger reveals he is also full of that same racist hatred, that elite hatred that Arlong has, but he's able to control it better because he was a slave himself during his long first voyage before he freed the slaves the first time. And he's kept that boiling hatred, but at the very least tried to focus on morally good deeds, which was, you know, freeing slaves over and over. But at this point on Death's Door, he is just so saddened, like, you know, by his just his hypocritical nature where he's like, I pretend to be like this force of good. But here I am going, I don't want you to give me human blood because I refuse to be indebted to them in any way, shape and form for what they did to me. And you're just like, right, because they're warriors, they're pirates. It's, it's always a pride thing. It's always, you know, it's always about pride and your reputation. And he passes away. He dies even after they go, you know, like, well, you freed the, those slaves. You still did a great thing. So at least he somewhat dies in peace, right? He dies with a smile on his face. But it's a tragic ending to a character that because of his pride, because of his old, I guess you could say old foolish stubbornness nature, he just refused to get, you know, a human transfusion of blood. Because, fuck, dude. <laughs> yeah, it did. It, it hits really heavy. And overall, throughout this whole flashback, I felt that, I just, I really liked Fisher Tiger, and I felt that his, it was a good arc, and it, or his place in the arc more so was really good. And it's probably mm. one of my favorite parts, like, of the arc as a whole. Yeah, uh, the, the two-in-one flashback between, because the first part is obviously more focused on Fisher Tiger. Uh, the second half, which we'll get to pretty soon, is about, uh, more about Queen Odahime. But the most important thing about why Fisher Tiger, like, had that change of heart and why he felt also, like, partly ashamed of his beliefs and why he was, like, crying on his deathbed was not just because of the, for the shame of being caught uh, and turned into a slave, but because after they watched over Koala, he understood that Queen Orohime's uh, project, her approach, her policy of integration, was the correct one overall and not their piracy. Because the answer is in the kids. It's about starting at a younger generation and letting them experience firsthand the actual truth and not just going by what their parents say. So that was the definite definite important part of this end of this flashback here and immediately i'm like okay the comparisons are almost one-to-one -one at this point but i'll still save my ultimate you know historical connection for the end because it kind of connects with the other character too but yeah this whole 
theme of it's about the kids. It's about the future. It's about the younger generations going forward going, okay, Oda, I see what you're going here. I see what you're saying. Um, the conclusion to this uh, par- portion of the flashback is the reason why the entire world thinks that Fisher Tiger was killed by the humans was because Arlong gets caught. He tries to go back to the village in revenge. Uh, <laughs> Borsalino, he's one rank below at this point. He's wearing like a detective's outfit. He's got the hat and everything. Um, he captures Arlong, and then Arlong in the interrogation goes, it's because of you humans, you fucks, you're the reason why he died, and yada yada. The, the reasons why we think now, right? So he pushed the blame onto the humans, because it's Arlong, of course. More so in the- I know, he's a fucking horrible person, but you also get the feeling of like, well, he probably also did it because he was trying to protect Fisher Tiger's reputation. So it's out of respect to his captain, but obviously more so because he's a fucking evil person that wants to blame humans for everything. So it's like a mix. It's a mixture of both, right? But this tragedy of Fisher Tiger and the pride of being a warrior, this old stubborn fool, admits that Queen Odahime was correct, but still pleads to for no one to tell the actual truth of what happened, but that the answer is the kids. And I'm just like, this isn't in no way going to backfire. Totally not. Absolutely right. no way <laughs> this is going to backfire. Totally yeah. not. It's the tragedy of the story. Like, that's the first section. Because the second section, we see Queen Odahime doubling down her efforts after the royal family learns that Jinbei is now the pirate captain of the... Uh, sorry, the captain of the Sun Pirates. And understands that, okay, I now we don't have to worry about the Sun Pirates ruining our reputation. I can redouble my efforts, try and get people to sign these petitions. But unfortunately, the news gets, you know, the news of Fisher Tiger's death by the humans, thanks to Arlong, really fucks over her efforts at first, right? More the reason that Arlong is such a despicable, lovable villain. Just, oh, he's so horrible. Because we see, even though he's imprisoned, Odahime's petition requests are actually being withdrawn. She needs all 5 million people to sign these petitions. She's only at 5,000. And the people start walking up to her, going, hey, I don't like humans. They keep killing us. I'm just going to pull away my my petition. Then the kids start doing it. And then when the box is empty and she has this horrible sadness in her face, someone even goes, please, just stop making speeches. And I'm just like, what's going on? I know. That hurts. <laughs> oh, it's so fucking horrible. You're talking about Megalo being pure pain, bruh. Yeah, I, yeah, and that was a that was a that was for meme purpose. This is like for again mm-hmm, the, actual this, pain. Because this story is literal emotional pain, where she returns home after that horrible day and then just goes, "Oh, hello, kids. I love you all. Let me just go back. Let me just go to my room. I just had a hard day," and then immediately just starts breaking down and crying. And I'm just like, "Oh, it's so real." <laughs> I'm just like, but in our, and I love this uh, feeling though, where in this moment of defeat, when people are either presented with absolute power or absolute stress, right? When they're at their lowest breaking point mentally, you you see their true colors. You see who they really are, right? So at her lowest point, in her moment of defeat, she doesn't become hopeless. She doesn't let it eat her out. She becomes stalwart and courageous gets on the fucking snail uh, transponder she may or may not be drunk it doesn't matter 
what matters is she drops one of the dopest speeches calling out the citizens of don't be content with what you have. We like I'm going to summarize what she's saying here. Our kids are literally telling you guys every fucking day of how great it is at Shibodi. That's one island without throughout the entire world. Why are you guys content with having the little bit of air, the little bit of light we do have down here? When if we integrate, we can give our kids that future, that freedom, right of discovering everything on their own, seeing the people who they are, seeing the world for what it is. Do not be content with what you have. The status quo what we have right now fucking sucks. We can go for more. And it's a fucking great speech, I'll be honest. Because yeah. before, she had really shitty speeches where she's just like, sign the petition so we can do this great idealistic thing. Which I'm in favor of, but it's like, girl, you're doing a really bad job. And, but this is like, uh-uh. I'm going to lay it to you guys. Grow some balls. Stop being content. Let's get the shit done. Yeah, now she's actually spitting some facts. Yeah, she's spitting truth. And I'm just here crying in the background going, fucking preach, queen, preach it. And I'm just crying. I'm not, just like, uh, it was a, it was a wonderful moment that's interrupted by, uh, quite a random event because we get a celestial oh, right, dragon. Right. Yeah. Mioscard. Uh, we get the Celestial Dragon. And why is the Celestial Dragon here? Crash coursing his way to Fishman Island? Oh, the slaves that Fisher Tiger freed and that when, you know, when Jinbei joined the war uh became a warlord, freed these slaves of ours. They're our slaves. I'm gonna get back for them, daddy. And then of course he's he's a celestial dragon, he crash courses cause money can't buy talent and all the time. And <laughs> immediately, Celestial Dragon doing Celestial Dragon things. He starts shooting random fishmen, going, come back with me and heal me. <laughs> like, he's just making these impossible demands where he's like, I demand to be patched up. Also, I want all the slaves to come back, even though he's by himself. His crew is dead, I think, at this point. He's just... Firing his single shot revolver, going, You're coming with me, you fuckers. And then the fishmen pirates, obviously, Hody is there too. And they're just going, Dude, you have no power down here, right? And at this point, I'm so conflicted because I'm like, I'm agreeing with the, I'm feeling the same as the, the, the elitist right now, like, of, of, like with Hody, right? right? Where I'm right. just like, This is a, because my issue is always, yes. The celestial dragons are always the problem. It's not all humans. It's these motherfuckers at the very top. You want to get rid of these guys. <laughs> and here's one right here. And he's still being a spoiled punk ass bitch, even on he's death's got door. A, such a punchable face. Even worse. He has a shootable face. <laughs> because a fishman points the gun at his face, going, You have no power here. And even when the Celestial Dragon thinks he's going to die, his last words are, you rotten fish. And I'm just like, is that like the, is that like the N word down here? Is that his last words? A racial slur? <laughs> and I'm just like, oh my fucking God, fuck these guys. But then we see a girl boss do girl boss shit. At, at first, I'm going, why? Right? I'm confused with the other people. She takes the bullet for, the worst scum imaginable, but she is now playing politics. She's stating out loud in front of this human, right? Going, 
we can't treat all humans like this. We have to be friendly. We can't show the same hatred they're showing to us, right? And I'm going, oh, she's playing fucking politics. She's trying to butter up, butter him up a little bit, right? Even if this guy is so fucking unlikable, because that's what you have to do in politics sometimes. You have to just butter up sometimes, right? At the worst times even. But she's got a goal, right? She's got the right idea. Immediately backfires. This guy tries to take her hostage, points a gun at her. Oh, sorry. I thought he was going to try and take her hostage. But no, it's very clear he's going to just shoot her too. Because he's just going on a blood frenzy. Oh my god, this guy, this fisherman's trying to kill me. I'm just going to kill everyone now. And we get a reveal that Shirahoshi, she's a little girl at this point. I think she's like six in this flashback. And she does the, the classic anime thing. She shouts, right? She does the big scream, mommy. Shakes the island, and <laughs> guess what's behind them now? Uh, at least three giant fucking Neptunians, fucking Sea King. Huge. With, with just like doing that, like awaiting your orders kind of thing. And I'm just like, oh my god, she has the Supreme King hockey too. Or at least to some extent, right? The ones that can right, control. Right, similar effect. But Neptunians? The biggest fucking animals in the world. She can control. Cth- no, 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 no. It's impossible. Nope. I'm not going there. I'm not going to say it. I'm not going to say she can control Cthulhu. That's impossible. No, I refuse. <laughs> she is not that powerful, <laughs> but she is very powerful. But unwitting, under indirectly, this serves as a great intimidation tactic because clearly the celestial dragon wasn't being buttered up by the great politics that Odahime was trying because he's fucking a prick. He's selfish in a horrible way, but. But the intimidation works, right? The barrel of a gun didn't work, but three Neptunians? Yeah, yeah that'll, that, that'll do it. <laughs> that'll, that'll do, do it. it. That'll do it. So this is when, um, this is when, uh, Justin's cough came into play earlier about, uh, Vendor Deccan. Because he sees that power, right? And goes, oh my god, she has the power. The ancestor that's been looking for the secret to this power, she has it. Oh my gosh. That means I have to marry her. And then they go, well, she's too young. And he goes, all oh, right, of course, of course. But she still looks great. If we just give her those aging pills, then she looks even older and sexier. And I'm just like, He's like, oh, oh my man, God. 15 years? Yeah. Ugh. Yeah. Ugh. He, he, he does the Mineta thing before Mineta, but to a much grosser degree, because he's actually a fucking adult. And you're going, you're just straight up saying she looks good at sexual. Oh, he's literally a pedophile. He's literally a pedophile. Actually, That's, like 100%. And, and a psychopath. like. Okay, so you have all the traits to make you a disgusting, horrible villain. Why don't I like you as a character, right? You can write disgusting, horrible characters, but make you go, God, this is a great character, but fuck you. You know, like Game of Thrones, right? Game of Thrones is, at least early on, great villains that you, even though they're so despicable, terrible beings, you're just like, I love it when they're on screen, though, <laughs> right? I love it when they're, I'm reading what they're saying, what they're doing. Like, in my case, Arlong, right, for this uh, chapter's relevance. But I'm looking at this guy going, like, this guy's horrible because they're trying to almost play it off as, like, a, a funny joke where he's like, oh, I'm going to write the, the wedding invitations. I'm going to do it right now. And I'm just like, this, it's not funny, though. I'm still lingering on it's that not. panel, dude. Yeah, it's so, unfortunately, I'm going to have to be truthful here and be like, that's a minus from Oda in that case. I'm just like, yeah, that's like not I said, a good it's thing. actually just unsettling. It's like, yeah, it's. It's just, yeah. Like, don't, you don't make... It would have functioned exactly the same in the story if he just wanted to kidnap her for her power. 
Yeah, you know and, I mean? and then kidnap her, keep her around long enough so that he can officially marry her for whatever plan he's going to do. But don't have him make the comment of, like, she looks great and she'll look greater than, besides, I like bigger women. Like, he says very fucking nasty comments. Yeah, yeah. Like, it's those of creepy. you who, yeah, those of you who've read My Hero Academia and know the scene we're talking about with Mineta in particular, I'm just going, okay, in comparison. <laughs> Is this a One Piece reference? <laughs> Uh, okay. I'm oh sorry. my I had, god! I had to say it. No, it's so true though, because that, that yeah. if anything, that makes the scene at least slightly funnier. If it's still... <laughs> right, because at least like yeah, when I'm rewatching that horrible scene in my hero, I can at least go, man, Horikoshi really loves One Piece. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> he does actually. So you know, As, that's a fact. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Who doesn't? Um, but yeah, either way, we get that reveal right that she has this crazy power that neptune even confirms that this is like a long time prodigy with their forebears right their ancestors of like a person with the power of to communicate with the neptunians who can control them will lead us right to the promised land getting biblical right carrying us to to the surface and literally with a background of a, a ship we've seen before that looks like noah's ark like straight up it just looks one-to-one the exact same thing it's even called the noah um right is that what the sh- that ship's called it's called the noah i think yeah, yeah, Noah. They mentioned the more, name, yeah. More biblical reference. Yeah. So after that intimidation display, <laughs> intimidation display, the Celestial Dragon is like, I would have gotten away with it if it weren't that petulant little kid and her stupid Neptunians. And he's still making racist remarks as he's leaving, right, on the ship. And Orihime does the Great Gamble. If this was a like real history, this would be called the Great Gamble, where she goes, I want to go with you to the surface. This horrible person that just tried to kill me. I'm going to go with you to the surface. And everyone goes, why are you doing this? One, I'm going to talk to the government directly. And I'm going to have this guy accompanying me, right? That gives me some uh, reputation, right? Some prestige. Two, it'll be proof to the fishmen that they are not the threat you think they are. If me, a weak person, not the king, not one of the warrior princes, right? Not even the daughter who can control Neptune's now. Um, If I come back then unharmed then then you know it's trustworthy right then you know it's safe so she's doing this great political gamble of going up there and even the celestial dragon it's like this little bitch what is she trying to do like he's a horrible person like no empathy for this dude but odahime wins right she's playing politics at this point she's winning she's doing so fucking great um while this is going on it's very clear that Jinbei reacting to all these actions is that, right, this whole first half of Fishman Island, it's the side character, this warlord Jinbei, it's a, it's a redemption arc for him. He's trying to redeem him. Sorry, is that, am I saying that right? Redemption? Redeeming? Right? Yeah, yeah, he, redemption arc. Yeah, he's trying to redeem himself, his old cynical beliefs and his responsibilities, because he's starting to see that, oh, by the way, Arlong got free, right, because I became a warlord. And he's just going to go about and wreak havoc on the human world. And he even is confronted by Arlong going, I know you disagree with me. You're stronger than me. If you're going to stop me, kill me right here now. Because if you don't, I'm going to do my thing. Jimmy doesn't kill him, but he still beats the shit out of him. Right. But he doesn't kill him. And this is like a major mark against Jimbei's guilt. Because he knows because we were in the same crew, we had that brotherhood bond. I couldn't kill him. Right, we were fishermen. He and I, we started on the same crew. We freed slaves together. We, we you know, we sailed the set. We sailed all the seas together. I couldn't kill him, right? And then resorts to kind of a lackluster tactic of like, we'll just keep an eye on him. If he goes too far, then we'll stop him. Doesn't work out because Arlong 
has connections with the Navy, as you remember from Arlong Park, and bribes the Navy of just like, just keep it quiet that I'm here, right? No one needs to know that I'm actually here. But eventually news does reach Jimbei that Arlong did the cruelty he did much later, right? That part's too late. But we get those pieces of perspective from Jimbei, and I thought that was actually really eye-opening of like, this is why Arlong got away with it. This is why, from you know, a person who seems pretty chill and cool like Jimbei, but God, it's, yeah, because you're looking at a character going, like, he's literally changing for the better within this flashback ten years ago, but it's too little too late. He's in, he doesn't take the pro- the necessary action, right? Yeah he, yeah. he doesn't, he doesn't go all the way through with his actions, and it bites him in the ass, incredibly so. Um, so, going back to Orihime, right, the entire crew, the, sorry, the entire crew, the entire town is scared shitless that she's not going to return. And I honestly thought they were going to go down that path of, like, she's dead. She's not coming back. They just killed her. Yeah, so did I. Like, first time, I was like, oh, no, that's it. Yeah, because we, yeah, we know she was assassinated, but we don't know exactly how or why. Like, just because she was following her ideals, this would have been the ideal time to do it. But the great gamble pulls off. She returns. She has a written declaration from a celestial dragon that goes, I, I, like, I acknowledge this decree, this project. If we get the petitions, I will support the immigration of fishmen with human society. I'm going, because I hate celestial dragons. I'm calling bullshit on this. I'm going, this is a trap. This guy literally came by going, give me back my slave. So this is probably him thinking, this is actually an easier way for them to come to me. So that way I don't have to worry about the Neptunian, right? Right. And look good on the political level if I can get all these people in part of society. You know, like a political game that he's doing. I don't know. Maybe I'm thinking too far into it. Regardless, I'm thinking this is a trap. This is not going to work out. But regardless, Orohime is incredibly popular. She is swaying public opinion going, look, I, the weakling, I came back. Here's a decree. I did my part. Now you guys need to do yours. Please send the petitions, right? sways public opinion she gets all the petitions she got originally back and now people by the millions are submitting their petitions right she's going to get all five million at this point it's a resounding success the gamble paid off things are looking up millhouse there's no way that things can go wrong very emotional wonderful moment (sighs) yeah um so, next day, after Orohime is very happy and, you know, quite proud that her daughter is the key to this prophecy, and also she even gives her daughter credit for when she saw that her daughter had that display of power, it gave her the courage because she understood that prophecy, right? That once this mermaid appears that can make it with Neptunians, the prophecy will begin, right? Then we will go mm-hmm. to the surface. Like the first, so she, first signal. Yeah, that's yeah, almost so, time. So I'm just gonna go along with it, right? And so I'm that's why I'm gonna take this great gamble against with this dude that looks like shit, that has the very shootable, punchable face that just tried to shoot me. I'm gonna pull off this gamble. And that gave her the courage to do it, making this even more tragic, because the next day that giant box of petitions is on fire. Because it's in public square, right? It's just up there so you can throw down like like a like a like a ballot box. You just keep it out in the public so that, you know, people can turn in their petitions to sign up. So what they want to do, it's on fire, it's burning up, she is going out in the open, mingling out with the people again, but she's going, you know, get douse the fire out, those are people's signatures, it's the future, you hear a bang, and they go, what's that, what, what, what happened, 
And very slow, dramatic fashion, Oda has her look down. There's a bloodshot wound. She touches her wound. It's at her heart. She's shot. And she's not in the heart. And then, after that, people obviously going, who the fuck did that? Oh my god, the queen of the people is shot. What the hell? Hody Jones, future uh, leader of the new Fishman Pirates, goes, I found the human pirate. It's this human pirate. Look, the gun is empty. It's a smoking barrel. This motherfucker did it. The cycle of hatred continues. The royal family returns to the castle to try and... They're trying to fulfill the last wishes of the queen on her dying breath. She's like, please do not show your hatred. Please take care of your sister. Because if she were to be traumatized, she can't control that power. Right? She can use that power to control the Neptunians for evil. And they could actually just start wrecking shit. Maybe not, you know, not sorry, not directly evil. Like she wants to have revenge, but more so like she can't control the power. So the Neptunians are all going frenzied, right? They're all going no. So honestly, bro- it was so harsh. Yeah, the, when the brothers like in the middle of their mom dying, they can't even like sit on that. They have to comfort their sister instead. Yeah, they start going like, "Look at me, I'm being stupid. Look at the fun dance." And they're while they're crying, while they're yeah, while they're just heartbroken themselves. Even everyone good, else good is like big brothers, you know, good big brothers. Even if everyone else is kind of ruining it, going, "What the hell are you guys doing?" And yeah, you don't know anything, idiot. Shut up. Like, yeah, I, I'm I'm in the background just crying, going, shut the hell up. She's not doing yeah, Exactly. Like, I actually get mad at those side characters. Like, you don't know what you're talking about. Mm-hmm. So, it might be very weird, but it's big brothers being big brothers. And they're, you know, they're fulfilling their mom's wish, too, where it's like, don't linger in hatred. Don't be angry for my sake, whoever the culprit is. Don't let the hatred consume you. Stay strong. Right? She tells her family. They do the pinky touch that they've been doing throughout the arc. She dies. Pinky promise, you know. Yeah. And in that rage, the father locks himself up in that same room that the princess is locked was locked in in the present day of just going, if I go out there, I'm going to be bloodthirsty. I'm going to kill every human pirate on this island. But to obey, <laughs> sorry, not to obey, to honor my, yeah, to honor my wife's wishes, I will not go out there. And he starts eating himself up, going, I am this legendary warrior king who've killed to avenge my brothers, and then my own innocent wife dies doing a just cause, and I can't do anything. <laughs> and I'm just like, boy, this is not exactly what I expected, right? Because if anything, from the early introduction, I thought maybe this hierarchy, right, this current kingdom, was going to be the source of the problem. But now it's hyper-focusing on, no, it's the racism. It's this cycle It's this cycle of hatred, right, that's going on. That's the main focus of the cycle. So Pretty I'm, much okay. just like real life, basically, so yeah. let's be real. It's, it's more like both in real life, but yeah, we'll focus on this part. <laughs> we'll focus on this part right now. Yeah, so, I guess it's believable, right, is what I'm saying. It's very believable yeah, absolutely. and everything, absolutely. motivations, and all, it all just makes too much sense. And that's why the arc and the flashback especially hits so hard. Absolutely. Um, so, at the end of this, I've said some key terms, obviously, that have been in the arc, too. I told you this before we started here, too, where I'm like, I don't know how many people have made this connection, but both Fisher Tiger and Otohime are, like, the personifications of some of the best aspects of Martin Luther King Jr. Because we're doing the whole thing of, like, civil rights movement analogies, uh, we're talking about fighting racism, and we're <laughs> in all the class warfare 
racial structural issues and both these characters have like some of his best passions right she has the charisma and passion of kindness fisher tiger was the man of action right civil disobedience to make a loud bang right to get everyone's attention but do that action through kindness right so those characters split that's why i saw it as like oh if you combine the best of these two characters you have mlk right with the same outcome too where he's assassinated at the end of the day for his ideals yeah especially when you consider that the comparison seems almost unavoidable right that she was assassinated yeah and that's why i was asking you too i'm like i'm not stretching this am i because it seems very like cliche or like two on the nose where it's like really mlk really but i'm like no I- i'm looking at all this going like no i think oda intended yeah. this <laughs> I, I, it's def- I mean there's not really a better figure to like honor or mirror in this kind of theme for really then the know? best of the best yeah yeah the best just, go, just go for the best take the top you know why not absolutely um so now we're back in the present day um Jinbei finishes the story of yeah so this is why you like he's still talking to nami throughout this like at this point luffy trusts nami to handle herself it's her story right it's her background i i bet people would be offended because i know sanji was when luffy was sleeping that was uh, honestly hilarious to me. Yeah, and I'm just like, but of course he's sleeping because it's like it's not my story, it's not mine. And it's a it's another throwback to fish to Arlong Park as well. Exactly when when, when Nojiko was telling everyone Nami's backstory, Luffy just slept through the whole thing because he doesn't give a shit. Yeah, or he did give a shit in his way where he's just like, no, I believe she's still good. I'm just gonna wait for her to ask for our help. Right, that very stubborn attitude of his that seems very surface level, but it's like it was the perfect solution at the time. It didn't seem like it. And in this case, it's like Nami's getting some additional closure. It's not my it's not my problem, right? I trust her to handle this. I'm gonna get some shed eye. I've been through a lot so far. Um so and that happens, and it's still really tense, right? A little bit, right? Because Jimbei is waiting for the reaction, right? Sanji is obviously very emotional. He's literally telling this Jimbei to is go the kill part himself. Where, yeah, this is the part where he definitely went out of line that I remember. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah, where he goes, just go ahead and kill yourself, that'll make him feel better. And then Nami goes, no, let me tell you the actual answer, which is, I will say, first time reading through this, I didn't think it was written very well, but I know what she was trying to say upon reread. So my criticism is it could have been written better. Like, but yeah, her, the actual dialogue, like, as translated, could have yeah, been better. Yeah. yeah, she's too casual about it, right? Where I understand she's holding it in, but it comes across as too casual. Maybe it's different in the anime where she has a bit more... You know, the voice actress has a more freedom to do a more motion. Yeah, where she's got four minutes to say the line. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> or eight, depending on which version oh, you're watching. It's a, it's a good old One Piece bad pacing joke. Yep, yep. No, I'm with you on that. Probably eight minutes, actually. But she responds by telling Jinbei that that chapter of her life is closed. So the, the suffering and the memories are still there, right? That's why she still will never forgive Arlong. But the focus is on only him. Not on Hachi, who is also there. Not on Jinbei and not on Fishman, right? Fish Jinbei is not directly responsible. His inaction did cause Arlong to rain havoc, but he's not directly responsible. Uh, it's it's good enough for her for yeah. To it's, it's, I hate Arlong, not Fishman. Yeah, which is you know very mature. Like I I would I always hate the stories where it's like, do you? forgive this horrible monster that ruined your life and the person goes yes and i'm like i get it pacifism but i never like it when because it's when it's done too fast or at least unrealistically because it's like no be realistic the person would probably still have some major gripes at least for one direct person or like a direct cause right 
And in this case, they continue that, right? Nami goes, no, I don't pity Arlong, but I can forgive you. And I love the reaction from Jinbei. It's just a, like the world is lifted off his shoulders. He falls down and just cries the name of the chapter. Thank you. Right? And and Nami even sees that. Where that thought of his conscience was tormenting him this whole time. So it was a great backstory. Ultimately, it was, at least in the uh, immediate sense, it was for Jinbei's redemption. This side character that is, you know, up there now with my favorite side characters, who's, you know, probably not going to be that important. Probably not. But, you know. <laughs> You know, right. he's got his redemption, which is really nice. He's 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 one of the cooler warlords, absolutely. Yeah, so definitely. he's definitely like yeah. one of the most fleshed out warlords too. Definitely at this point, absolutely. We've gotten so much time with him, like at this point, you know. Yeah, this very chill dude who I actually never thought too much about when Impel Down first happened, and then now some more times going on. I'm just like, yeah, this guy's really too, too chill. chill yeah, he, he really him. like creeps his way into your heart, mm-hmm. you know, like into your your likability list. His he was brick, like, oh, okay, brick fishman kung guy. fu. He yeah, saves Luffy. As it goes on, you're just like, man, this guy is dope. <laughs> Absolutely. And plus, we get that emotional closure that, you know, we probably, we didn't know that Nami probably, she probably didn't need it, to be honest. But because it happened, she actually helped someone else recover from that. So that was a great moment for that. Um, but obviously, the new fishman pirates, you know, the successors of Arlong are still wrecking havoc. They capture the kingdom. Hody, Hody Jones, Captain Hody Jones, he, Captain Jones, he's on the snail transponder announcing to the whole kingdom, going, we have the king, we have these, we have these straw hat pirates, uh, I'm gonna execute the king in three hours, uh, and I'm gonna do it right here, right? But and that will be for next week's episode. <laughs> next week. You'll hear about that next week. So we actually did next get to our uh, round 628. 629 yeah. is where the three-hour countdown begins, I believe. Yeah, I was worried this was going to be like two hours and 45 or uh, something. I think but... it was pretty close. <laughs> about 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 two, about 230 maybe? 140, I think. Almost yeah, two maybe. So not, not terrible. Yeah, I thought we were going to go longer than that. But, um... Oh! Real quick. Real quick. Because obviously this oh, is yes, the, yes. The, the, the cliffhanger of... By the way, Jinbei's confronting Luffy... And the princess, even, because they're both like, I, we need to get over there. And Jinbei is like, no, not so fast. Luffy being bullheaded, no, I'm going to go there. And <laughs> Jinbei rolls up his sleeves going, uh-uh, you're not going to go right away. And then it's like, oh, shit, they're going to duke it out, right? Yeah, I'm like, Jinbei, you're you're making a very big mistake right now. But <laughs> Maybe. We don't know the full extent of his powers. Who knows? Right, we don't. But I just feel like it's a big mistake. Th- that know? is true. That is Boy. true, too. He's he's also surrounded by other straw hats too. So like, he's don't don't make Luffy do this, man. Come yeah. on, Jinbei, <laughs> you, you have, Jinbei, you have the home field, but you're outnumbered by glown up straw hats right now. I don't know. But the main thing I want to mention real quick too is Robin finds the poneglyph and has so few lines that make me scream. What the fuck? Oh does yeah, that we have mean? to talk about that. Yes, Joy Boy, Joy Boy, and the poneglyph is not a blueprint. It's, it's another. It's another letter Just type like of Rogers. Yep. Yeah, but this one is an apology letter to someone. It's unclear, written by someone named Joy Boy, and it just fucking stops right there. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that's I, it. Like this seems to be a letter of apology. This is I wonder liter- who Joy Boy is. This <laughs> is liter- all these 
all this Poneglyph side story shit is the most anticipated stuff to me for, you know, that side yeah, plot. Every Pone- Poneglyph's, like, they just scream overarching, you know, story. And like, Oda the, just so gave- So that's always like, ooh, so excited. And Oda just gave me one fucking page. <laughs> one page. <laughs> yeah. And I'm just going, why? God damn it. <laughs> I need more. But that'll be for next part. As we conclude, Fishman Island. Yeah. Yeah, I think we'll, we'll definitely finish next week. So it is going to be end up being two instead of three, which is, that's good. This is the meteor section, I think, in terms of content. Definitely. Like I said, also off screen, this arc to me, before I reread it this time, I was thinking it was very Skypea-ish. A little you know, bit. And that, like, it kind of just, like, yeah, stuff happens in the beginning, but not that much stuff. Like, really, mm. we kind of did even breeze through it, right? Like, up until... Like the, up until the flashbacks, like the, the flashback, the flashback really is most of the arc, to be honest. Oh, because uh, no, even absolutely. next week, like mostly action, like the whole climax, in mm-hmm. which I will, we will both get into like what we didn't didn't like about the arc is just Some less details, interesting, yeah. in my opinion, than the, like the flashback itself and everything leading up to it. Yeah, since uh, since it's out there already, for those who are literally following us word word for word from the chapter, tamper your expectations is what I would just say. And you'll still enjoy the arc, but... Yeah, it's, it's good. It's still good. Just tamper your expectations. Because, in, in all honesty to me, the this arc shines in this half that we discussed. Yeah, Second okay. half... And I'll, we'll I'll get... explain my full thoughts, obviously, next week. And I will, too. When we uh, read, roughly, from chapter 629 up to 653, the end of Fishman Island. But if before that you just have to talk about some One Piece content, feel free to, to hit me up on Twitter at Jitsu, J-I-T-S-Z-U, talk about anything One Piece related. Or if you want to talk about everything up to this point, all the way up to the end of Fishman Island even, with Jacob, where can they find you? Uh, they can find me at Jacob Miranda on Twitter. That is J-A-C-O-B-M-E-R-E-N-D-A, all lowercase, all Dang one word, on Twitter. Uh, wait, what'd you, what'd you say? Dang I it messed for? up. I messed up our name. I should have said, where can they find, you know, what was it? Jacob Shred and oh. Tear <laughs> on Twitter. Where, where can they find and the yeah. super rookie? Where can they find the super rookie Rip and Tear Jacob? That is, <laughs> that is Jacob Red on Twitter. Uh, if you also want to complain with me that Odo should have put in the, the Magnus Squid that looks like a fucking alien in that recent YouTube video where it's like near an oil rig or some shit. Dude, I want water. a I want a pistol shrimp fish man. I want to see someone that can just like, you know, like shoot shockwaves out of their fists. Dude, that's how Jinbei fights. <laughs> imagine how effective if that's like your species ability as well. Holy be shit. Crazy. Holy shit, you're right. <laughs> Jinbei, Jinbei only practices what the pistol shrimp can do. Meanwhile, the pistol shrimp are the <laughs> You merely adopted They're the pistol born. shrimp punch. <laughs> I, I was born in it. Molded by it. <laughs> I'm still holding out hope for that pistol shrimp fishman character. We'll see. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Oh, and depending on where you're listening, to, at uh, listening, uh, whether it's Spotify, iTunes, YouTube, wherever, feel free. Please leave a review, comment, thumbs up subscribe anything all the above please do so we love the feedback we love uh we love just hearing from you guys absolutely yeah um anything we have the data we know people are listening leave a review don't be shy come on and that pretty much wraps it up thank you guys as usual for tuning in we really appreciate it and we'll see you next week (laughs) 